0: The 14-day scanning free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulon Podcast where I own Costello try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, exercising more when we have a larger muscle mass, essentially there is a larger sponge that can hold or store excess glucose. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of
1: your favorite Diabetic podcast I hope it's your favourite, that's why you're here Graham. what's up? What's happening? We all good? How are I'm you? Abs- I'm absolutely roasting in my, ho- my house I'm in my family home in County Mayo In the west coast of Ireland And for some reason my father um, Insists on having the range on and I was, I was trying, Is the range a universal thing? Does anyone know what the range? range. Do you know what the range is? Never range. heard of that in my life This thing, let me turn around to The laptop this yoke, gray the, the in recent
0: weeks. Every single time we've recorded an episode, Graham's just been in a different room, a, di- a different
1: location. Every single time. <laughs> Look at the range.
0: Oh, that's like range. a
1: stove. Stove, a stove. Range. Yes. we call it a range in the country. Do you? Yeah, we, that's a. That, to me, that's a. That's a range. Which I've now never I s- in my life heard that. W- w- now, now I'm saying it out loud. Turned down my microphone here, a little bit loud. Uh, now, now I'm saying it out loud. That doesn't make any sense. The range. Stove. It's a stove. It's a, is well, that's a stove. That's like, a, that's just essentially the same as a radiator. It's just a giant radiator that you yeah. fill up with fuel. I'm sweating buckets here. But um, <laughs> I said I'm, I five minutes late because we have a mental dog. Like he is mental. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to get this podcast done with the dog in the house. And luckily, ma'am was bringing the dog to the groomers for half 10. So we have, we might have about a 40 minute sweep here where there's no dog. Because the last time I recorded in the house, I got up really early before the dog got up. I was like, <laughs> upstairs. Was that when
0: you were underneath the stairs?
1: Yeah. And I had <laughs> my, nie- my one-year-old niece and I had the dog. So if one of them woke up, they would wake the other up. So I was like, upstairs, underneath the stairs saying, "Hey." Podcast.
0: I text you to confirm the time and you're like, uh, maybe an hour later, just because I need to
1: make sure the dog goes to the, the groomers. So I was like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, You don't understand this dog. It's not like your dog, which will just walk along and sit by you. It's like dog's it? a small cow. dog, I, I bet you. Yeah, a of poo. Yeah, there you go. It's always not- the small ones that are extra feisty. Like me. Yeah, there you go. What are we talking about this week,
0: Owen? Today, we are talking about building muscle with type 1 diabetes. Oh, yes. Big one, big one, big one. Yes. And it's probably the most asked question I get through email, Facebook, Instagram. I'm always asked, how can I build muscle with type 1 diabetes? And the simple answer is you can build muscle with type 1 diabetes with the same fundamentals as somebody who doesn't have diabetes. The same fundamentals apply in terms of training, recovery, nutrition, these kind of things, but obviously, like most things in life, type 1 diabetes makes it that bit more difficult and that bit more complicated. Now, it's important to first outline that when I talk about building muscle, I don't necessarily mean or I don't want you to have the image of somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger in your mind, right? Building muscle doesn't have to be you doubling your body weight and you walking around like some mass monster who is just enormous. Building muscle has so many benefits. And I've said on this podcast hundreds of times, probably at this stage, that building muscle and resistance training in general – in my opinion, is the most beneficial type of exercise that you can do for your diabetes management. And the way I always say it is, I believe that when anybody with type 1 diabetes is initially diagnosed, it should be, here is your insulin pen, here is your glucose meter, here is a dumbbell. (laughs) It has that much of an impact that I just... Really, you can probably tell. I passionately believe that everybody living with type one diabetes, everybody in general, should be doing some sort of resistance training. I just
1: really, really feel passionate about that. Yeah, I can hear your passion, but you need to maybe get it across to somebody. Let me let me know the 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 benefits of building muscle while having type one diabetes. So the benefits of building muscle
0: in general. But also with type 1 diabetes, as I said, number one, it helps naturally manage your blood sugar levels, right? It massively increases insulin sensitivity. And the analogy that I use is when you build muscle and when you're using your muscles frequently, essentially your muscles act like a sponge for the excess glucose in your system. All right, because glucose is stored in our liver and our muscles as glycogen. So when we are exercising more, when we have a larger muscle mass, essentially there is a larger sponge, to keep the analogy, that can hold or store excess glucose. So big benefit for people living with type 1 diabetes. It builds strength and stamina. It builds functional strength, balance, which is obviously very relevant to us as we get older, supports our joints, larger muscle mass, leaner body generally can help people build self-confidence that age-old saying look good feel good Mm -hmm. you know and when we feel good when we're in a better mood when we're more self-confident a lot of things in our life can be easier to manage and diabetes being one of those helps strengthen your bones reduces risks of breaking them or fracturing them And it promotes greater mobility and flexibility. There's also more benefits of it, but they're just what comes to mind. There are are plenty of reasons why, as I said, not just a type 1 diabetic, not just somebody who wants to change how they look aesthetically, but there are so many benefits for all ages and all types
1: of people. For me, you're, you're like a salesman, Owen. I'm, I'm thinking if I wasn't into going to the gym and building muscle, I'd be like, do you know what? I think he's he's doing it well. He's doing a very good job <laughs> yeah. at selling me. He's definitely got shares in some gym that he's trying to get us into. But <laughs> yeah. uh, if I was type 1 diabetic, Owen, the question is, can I build muscles with type 1 diabetes? 100%. Right? Short answer, 100%.
0: And okay. as I said, the same fundamentals apply for somebody who wants to build muscle when they don't have diabetes compared to somebody who does have type 1 diabetes right and generally what's required of us or what we need to be mindful of or conscious of when it comes to build muscle i would put into two categories stimulus and rest or recovery right stimulus meaning resistance or training itself all right so Stimulus essentially is the training that we do, right? And when we train, when we lift weights, that's when we break down muscle, okay? So to prompt or accelerate muscle growth, there needs to be that stimulus. And weight training or resistance training is a perfect example of this. Generally, when we go about our day, we do things like steps, maybe some sort of lunge, pushing, pulling, slight squats. These are all natural movements right? But with these natural movements, there's not enough load added and we're not doing those sort of movements with enough load as frequently to promote muscle building. Mm. So that's where a definite plan comes in. So it could be like a gym or a workout plan where you are doing these exercises frequently, you're adding load frequently, and also then primary, I suppose, driving force of you consistently building muscle is progressive overload. So progressive overload essentially means that every time you train, ideally, you are either increasing the weight that you use for an exercise, for example, or increase the rep range, reduce rest time, increase the frequency of the workouts themselves. Essentially, progressive overload is the idea that you are Incrementally making your workouts more difficult so that your
1: body has to adapt to that additional load or difficulty. And it's good, it's good for someone like me who goes into the gym and you know I might just think I'm doing a great job and doing the same thing over and over again, and you know, I'm getting my training done, which is good, it's better than doing nothing. But it's mm. good to have that little reminder of no, you need to change it up, you need to be increasing your reps, you need to be increasing the weight as well. Um, because At the end of the day, you have to retrain your muscles to grow them. So I think Mm -hmm. that is a nice little reminder to people who are going to the gym as well, like me, but you do need to kind of change up your routine, add weight, add reps, lessen the the rest time between sets Mm -hmm. as well. That's good. Yeah.
0: And just to highlight there, it's not specifically that you need to change things around in the sense that you need to dramatically change the exercises that you do. The change that consistently leads to progress i.e. building muscle is that progressive overload so the most effective program that you do will probably be pretty boring and what i mean by that is if you're focusing with things like compound movements squats bench deadlifts right they're not overly exciting but if you want to build up your chest for example if you want to build muscle on your chest If you are doing dumbbell chest press week on week on week on week on week, it's not overly exciting, but it's a very, very effective movement and exercise to build the muscle that you want to build, right? But the idea of progressive overload means that when you go into the gym, today I'm doing 30s, next week I'm doing 30s, the week after I'm doing 30s, the month after that I'm doing 30s. When you consistently do that same weight, you're not adding any additional load and there's no, again, stimulus Mm. for our body to build muscle or to adapt to that additional load. So again, the effective plan that helps build you that chest, to stick with the example, today I do 30s. Next week, I try and do 32.5. Next time, I try and do 35. Next time, thirty-seven. Point five, Right. Realistically, you're not going to go up in weight that quickly, but it's the idea that okay, today I did 8 to 10 reps with 30 kg. Next week I'm going to try and do 8 to 10 reps with 32.5 or I'm going to do 10 to 12 reps with 30. So again, it's the that idea of adding load or resistance or difficulty to your workout so that your body adapts to that
1: increased difficulty yeah i'm just thinking that makes a lot of sense is actually when it's broken down like mm. that it just makes so much sense when people are like keep on pushing it raise the weight and you might want you might think you've reached the ceiling but give another go even just one extra rep than you mm. should do instead of doing 10 to do 11 something like that but yeah it makes a lot of sense. and again the thing about it and what can kind of cause confusion with
0: with this store sort of training and you know the process of actually building muscle We see so many of these crazy exercises on the internet all the time, like even you scroll through Instagram, there's people doing just bizarre exercises that look cool and look interesting, but they're not actually effective. And a lot of the time they're actually quite dangerous. So the the most effective muscle building program that you can stick to or plan that you can stick to will probably be quite boring. But when you do that boring training consistently with the idea of implementing progressive overload, that's where you see that progress. That's where you see your strength go up. That's where you see your muscle being built. It doesn't have to be doing upside down chest flies or whatever you you see on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) What about rest? So rest or recovery is vital. So as I said, when you are training, that's when you're breaking that muscle down, You're breaking down those muscle fibers. When you're resting and recovering, that's when you build them back up, right? So for our body to adapt to the additional training stimulus that I've just outlined, it needs to have adequate rest. So muscle is rebuilt when we're resting and when we're recovering. So we can't have a goal of, oh, I want to build muscle. I want to get stronger. I want to get fitter, whatever it is. And then think, well, I'm going to train seven days a week. And on five of those days, I'm going to train twice. You're absolutely going to burn yourself out. <laughs> you're probably going to resent your training, but also you're not even giving your body the time to rest and recover. So as important as the stimulus and that progressive overload is rest and recovery is just as important, probably more important. All right, so what's actually required of us to get that adequate rest and recovery is sufficient calorie intake, right? If you are not fueling your body with enough calories, you aren't gonna build muscle. Calorie intake or calorie consumption, whether it be a surplus or a deficit, is the main factor when it comes to weight loss or weight gain. Now, just to quickly highlight, weight loss and fat loss are two different things. I'll go into that in another in another episode. <laughs> so another thing that's required for you to get the most out of your rest and recovery is ensuring you are getting sufficient and essential nutrients into your body. Whether that be protein, which is, by far the most important when it comes to muscle building, carbohydrate, fat, micronutrients, which are again, your minerals and your vitamins or vitamins, however you want to say it. Sleep is that time when your body recovers the most. If you don't sleep well, or you don't prioritize your sleep, you're going to find it very difficult to build muscle because you won't be able to recover after the training that you've done And then if you're not properly rested or recharged, you're not even going to get the most out of the training that you're doing. So generally, try and aim for, if possible, seven to nine hours sleep. Easier said than done, particularly when you live with type 1 diabetes, because obviously there are a few different factors that come into play with something as simple as a night's sleep. That, again, I think we've probably covered in another episode. And actually... Speaking of sleep, just this week, I recorded a episode specifically around the importance of sleep and how to basically create a nighttime routine to ensure you get an effective seven to nine hour sleep unbroken. And I recorded that with um, my private program podcast. So obviously my type 1% program That I have with all my clients. We have weekly Zoom calls and a private podcast that I obviously go into different subjects in a lot more detail. So that's actually the topic that we covered last week. So I'm always constantly harping on to everybody in the program. You have to sleep well, you have to sleep well, you have to sleep well, because it's so important for mood, energy, recovery, physical and mental health, vital. How many hours sleep a night do you get? Try to get seven. Okay. If I get unbroken, here's me harping on about sleep and I'm like, <laughs> seven, seven usually. I'm I'm happy with seven. And I feel I, I feel seven is a good amount for me because sometimes if I sleep more than that, I feel more
1: tired waking up. Mm. Do you ever get that way? No, I love sleep. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> eight, eight is the optimum for me. I'm like eight is my sweet spot okay seven I, 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 I can't function on seven I need eight really Eight is perfect yeah uh-huh. going back though I, I I will say um when I used to before I did breakfast I used to do nighttime radio and I used to I got into a really bad routine where I'd go to bed around 12 and then I'd wake up around 10 or 11 like I just used to sleep all the time and mm. I was I was sluggish so now eight eight to nine is my optimum another quick point on sleep try and get yourself into a sleep
0: cycle. And what I mean by that is try and go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. No exceptions. And when you do that for a week or two, you consistently get up at that, at that same time each morning. Your body will then get used to waking up at that time. So I typically wake up like five or three minutes before my alarm goes off. And it's, such a small joy at the start of your day because it's like, oh, I've woken up naturally. I feel great. Yeah. Whereas when your alarm goes off, it's like just barking at you and you, uh, it almost gives you a fright waking up. So try and get into that sleep cycle. What time you're going to bed, what
1: time you're waking up. I want to go back to rest when we are talking about training and building muscle. Um, cause I'm interested in hearing about you as well. Um, I know you said rest is very important, but If anybody follows Owen online, you'll see that he's in tremendous shape. So you do train a lot. But for you, what is your weekly schedule in terms of how many days do you train versus how many days are you rested? So I go to the gym six
0: days a week. Now, I wouldn't advise that to everybody because I've been training for years and I absolutely love it. So again, going back to those points that I was highlighting around what's required of you to actually get that adequate rest. You need enough rest in between training sessions, right? Now, even though I train in the gym six days a week, I split my training over certain days or certain body parts so that even if I'm training on a day, I'll be training a completely different body part to what I was the day previous or 48 hours previous. So currently I'm doing, so six days and it's a leg workout. The next day I do chest and back. The next day I do arms and shoulders, take a break, legs, chest and back, arms and shoulders. And then throw some, take a break.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's three on, one off, three on, one off. Yeah. Yeah. But also because
0: that first day I'm training legs, the next day I'm training chest and back. I'm not training legs for, what, three days. Yeah. So it, it gives me adequate enough time to rest and recover. And in between that, I'm eating plenty of food and trying to prioritize
1: my sleep as much as possible. Um, going back to, obviously, type 1 diabetes, do you think, or is this a question you get asked often, is it more difficult to build muscle when you have type 1 diabetes? Short answer, yes.
0: Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that's that it's impossible. You know, you can see plenty of type 1 diabetics out there who have built unbelievable physiques built from a massive amount of muscle. But as I said earlier, like most things in your life, type 1 diabetes will make it that bit more complicated. But just because it's complicated doesn't mean it's impossible. So with all the things that I've listed above, well, not above, but previously, And all those different things that you need to consider. Sometimes it's quite often that people will overlook the importance of your blood sugar management. All right. And if somebody comes to me and says, how do I build muscle? Like I I can't build muscle. I've been training for two years and I can't do X, Y, Z. The first thing I will ask is about the blood sugar, because If we are not optimizing our blood sugar levels as much as possible, it's very, very, very difficult to build muscle because type 1 diabetes is a catabolic condition. So therefore, if it's not well managed consistently, as in we're not in range as much as we can be, you will find it more difficult to build muscle. Right. When you say catabolic, what does that mean? Like if, if your blood sugars are higher, essentially, yeah. it limits our body's ability to store and utilize the nutrients that we get from food. Gotcha. Right? And the, the perfect example of that is, and I'm sure anybody listening had a very similar experience. When you're diagnosed initially with type 1 diabetes, you have dramatic weight loss because your blood sugars are so high. Because going back to the analogy that we used, and I think probably episode number one of the Insulin Podcast, the analogy of the lock and key. Insulin is the key that unlocks your cell. And when that key unlocks the cell, it's open for the nutrients that we consume or get in from food to be used and to be brought into the cell and used as energy. Right, But when we don't have insulin, we can't unlock the cell. So therefore we can't get those nutrients into our cells for energy, Mm -hmm. but our body still needs to get energy from somewhere. And our body will get energy from stored body fat and muscle essentially. So that's why there's such a dramatic weight loss that you experience when you're initially diagnosed. And I think I lost something like, I think it was like 20 pounds or or 25 pounds in like the space of four or five, six weeks. 10 kg. Something like that. Something crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why. I know we're going way back here. But that's why um, when it was actually Dan's soon-to-be wife, who I had seen and hadn't seen her in a few years. She she saw me and I had lost so much weight. And she goes, This was obviously prior to me being diagnosed, so I didn't even know what she was talking about. But she comes up to me, she goes, geez, you look, you look really different. And I was like, how do you <laughs> what do you mean? She goes, I don't know, you just look different. And looking back, and I've had this conversation with her since, she said that because I had lost so much weight so quickly. Yeah. So obviously, again, getting back to building muscle, if we are putting in huge effort in the gym, you know, we're trying to sleep, we're trying to train hard, we're trying to get our protein in, we're trying to get sufficient calories in. But if our blood sugar is consistently higher, We're not even getting those nutrients into the cells and we're not even using them as efficiently or as effectively as we can be. All right, and again, getting back to the idea that diabetes is a catabolic condition, high bloods or high blood sugars increase protein breakdown and reduce protein synthesis, which basically are both two very important biological processes when it comes to building muscle. So there's probably nobody here Here, I say, you're you're here with us. There's nobody listening now who was diagnosed that didn't lose a massive amount of weight, I would imagine. What about managing the workouts as a type 1 diabetic? Yeah, so that's obviously another important point to, to highlight is, yes, the fundamentals apply. You need to train, you need to eat, you need to rest, you need to implement progressive overload. But again, the actual training can be made more difficult because of type 1 diabetes. We all know exercising in general can be difficult from time to time when it comes to, again, optimizing your diabetes management for that specific workout. So when we're actually preparing for a workout, there are different things we need to consider. And if we go high or if we go low during a workout... That's obviously going to hinder our performance with that specific workout. And if our goal is muscle building, if our performance during a workout is hindered, we may not be able to train as effectively as we would like. And then the last point that would come to mind for me in relation to why it is more difficult to build muscle with type 1 diabetes is like we've covered plenty of times on this podcast, the mental aspect of managing your condition. It's at times very stressful to manage your diabetes. Like we've gone through plenty of times before. There are many different things to consider, loads of different variables to keep in mind. Now, if we find the overall management of our condition stressful, and it's not uncommon for people to you know, be more stressed, be more anxious, be more uneasy when they live with type 1 diabetes, that's just natural. But if we're constantly under that stress, then it's going to be very difficult to have that consistent drive or motivation or consistency to stick with a training plan over time. And again. Don't want to use motivation because motivation comes and goes like the wind. You know, we will see results from consistency, but it's difficult at times to be as consistent with a goal that you have compared to how consistent your diabetes is there. And I've said it before, it's like diabetes is relentless, you know, but sometimes you have to try and be as relentless as your diabetes. And when it comes to build muscle, when it comes to losing body fat, whatever specific physical goal somebody may have, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So you need to be consistent. And if you are constantly under pressure or constantly under stress as a result of you managing your type one diabetes, top of the list for you may not be building muscle. Which will again hinder your ability to be consistent to build that muscle. It's funny, actually. When <laughs> it's funny because when I even talk about these things, they make so much sense to me because I think about it so often. Because you know how passionate I am about health, fitness, and diabetes management. But I was sending a client, uh, <laughs> I sent a client loads of voice notes yesterday, and she was laughing, writing back being like, the first time I listened to that, it sounded like a lot of just random talk, you know, but then she listened back. She's like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. These different things that I was covering. And I replied and I said, that's just a direct window into my conceptual diabetic (laughs) brain because I just have all these crazy diabetic thoughts. But I think that makes sense. Basically, the point I'm trying to get across is if you're feeling constantly stressed around your management, inevitably, you will find it more difficult to be consistent
1: with your training. So there's been about 30, 30 or so minutes of information there about building muscles with type 1 diabetic. I keep saying muscles. as muscle. Muscles, yeah. Well, but it won't be muscles. muscles yeah. plural. Yeah. So give me a summary just to finish it up. Give me the bullet points in this to make it easily digestible just at the end. Fantastic question. This will tighten up all the waffling that we've we've
0: gone through. (laughs) Right, so to summarize what's required to build muscle. Number one is you need to realize if you live with type 1 diabetes, you absolutely can build muscle. Do not tell yourself that you can't build muscle because you can. You need to have a definite plan. Ideally, you want to enjoy that plan so you can stick to it. You need to be consistent. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. You need to implement progressive overload when you want to build muscle. Again, the idea of increasing weight, increasing rep range, essentially adding additional load so your body adapts to that load. You need to track your progress so that you are aware of whether or not you are making the progress that you want to make. Weight, measurements, photos, very good ways to track progress. Sufficient calories prioritize protein you need to rest you need to recover try and aim for about 7 to 9 hours sleep and top of the list top of the pyramid prioritize your blood sugar levels that's the most important that's the most important for your health and your well being as well as building muscle
1: perfect I think that summed it up perfectly, Owen. Thank you very much for the episode on building muscle with type 1 diabetes. Thank you, Graeme.
0: Now, go appreciate the fact that you don't need to consider all of the things that,
1: that we've gone through <laughs> today. <is> <laughs> true. True. I'll go about my day in yeah. the knowledge that I can just go out and do it. But I do have to do progressive overload. I do have Absolutely. to get better at progressive overload. That is one thing I have taken from this podcast. But thanks, Owen. Thank you, Graham, And thank you, listener.
0: We love you. Have a good day. Have a good week. We'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.